0: Why they are doing that, if you will turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Uh, Today we are going to have the Lord's Supper or Communion. uh, Or back, well we don't call it Passover anymore, but that is where it began. So we will discuss some of this this morning and just sort of look at it. Uh, to get a better understanding of what we're doing today and why we do it, and what what it means. Why do we do this? There's a lot of, uh, we're, Matt and I were talking before the service, there's a lot of churches that don't do this anymore. Uh, they just don't feel the need. It's an old-fashioned thing. I don't know how you can get away with that when Jesus commands you to do it. Amen. And uh, as long as I'm here, we will do it. On a regular basis. I don't want it to become a ritual. I don't want it to be something we do just because it's the first quarter of the month. But I really want us to sincerely consider what it means, why Jesus at, commands us to do it, and why do we do it. So if we we'll look at Luke 22, uh, we'll start reading in verse 7. It says, then, the, uh, then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when you enter into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entered in. And ye say unto the good man of the house, The master saith unto thee, where is thy guest chamber? Where shall I eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room, furnished there, make ready. And when and uh, and they went and found, as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve disciples with him and said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you that I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, This is uh, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Father, as we come and we study your word, Lord, we look at the the Passover. We look at how it's transfigured uh, into the Lord's supper. Lord, help us to understand the truths of your word as we study it here this morning. Just pray that the Holy Spirit would lead in all that I say that it would cause us to hear and to understand the truth of your word. Lord, just help us to be doers of that Word. Help us to to look at this in the the way that you would have us to see it. Be with us in these next few minutes as we study and and look into your Word for the truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, it came the time of unleavened bread. Uh, This was a thing that that Israel had done since way back in, in Exodus. You can look it up in Exodus chapter 12. Uh, where they were in bondage in Egypt. Uh, many of you are familiar with this. You've heard the story. If not yet haven't read it in the story maybe you saw it, uh, was it Charleston Hedston that played Moses? You've seen that part right? Where Israel was in bondage for over 400 years. Uh, they had prayed and asked God for deliverance. God raised up a man to deliver him. His name was called Moses. And we see in in Exodus how how God spared him in the Nile as a little infant and how he grew up in Pharaoh's house and was educated and learned ways and God had prepared him for this day to become a leader. And like a lot of us when we figure out, oh God's going to use me to do something, we get all messed up and sometimes our pride and our egos and what we think we ought to do gets in the way, right? Anybody ever done that? Oh, I got—I know what God's doing now. I'll, I've got it from here, God. I can handle this. There's a whole message just right there, and that's what Moses did. He ended up killing a couple of Egyptian soldiers, and from that, he flew out into the wilderness for forty years, where God trained him even more and brought him along, and he became from the Pharaoh's palace to a little shepherd boy out in the wilderness tending sheep and working on a farm and learning the things that God would have him learn and then we see where in the he came in the, the in the fiery bush spoke to Moses and said okay now's the time I've heard my people's cry I want you Moses to go into Egypt and tell Pharaoh to met, let my people go that would be like telling us to go over to Wherever and tell Putin, hey stop being mean to your people and I'm going to take all the Jews and the Christians out and, or Saudi Arabia and, and uh, you are not going to do that anymore. We are taking them out. We are bringing them to safety. Anybody want to volunteer for that? <laughs> Moses didn't want to either. He argued with God, who am I? I can't speak. I can't do this. But God said I have chosen you and I will speak for you. So Moses goes, and he—he, he, if you know the story, he goes, and the uh, God brings many plagues upon uh, Pharaoh and Egypt, the locusts and the frogs, and and all the rest, and and it finally comes down to this last plague, and it, it's described in Exodus chapter 12, as I, as I told you, where God said, "You will go." and you'll, you'll, you'll kill a lamb. And that's why it says here now that the time that the Passover must be killed, the Passover lamb must be killed. God gave strict instructions about this lamb and how it would be without blemish. Uh, and how that each family would would sacrifice and kill this lamb, they would cook the lamb. They would take the blood of the lamb, and if you had a door of your house, you would take and you'd smear the blood all around the doorpost of your home as you killed this lamb and you cooked this lamb, and then you would, the door of the home would be shut that night. And he said, What's going to happen? Is I'm going to come and visit Egypt. I'm bringing judgment to Egypt through a plague. And I'm going to kill the firstborn of every man-child. And not just that, but the livestock. He killed the livestock. He killed the man. We mainly remember the man-child. The, the firstborn of every family would die that night unless there was the blood on their doorpost very interesting thing. And so that night, uh, the Passover, the, the, I guess you'd say the death angel, I'd say God came across, across Egypt. And it says that they, that, that there, I, I imagine there was just, as you saw the movie, great wailing throughout the city that next morning, as they woke up and found loved ones that had passed away over the night. And here's all of Israel in their homes, and, and God had commanded them to put this, door, this blood on the doorpost to spare the firstborn of each family. This is called the Passover. Um, it, it is called the Lord's Passover. Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. It says, "Thus you shall eat the eat it. You shall eat the lamb, and your lo- loins shall be girded, the shoes on your feet." And your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now, what God is telling them is, you're going to apply this blood. I'm going to send a, the, the. Uh, I'm going to bring this plague, and they're going to die. And Pharaoh's sons going to die, and he's going to tell you to get out of Egypt. And what I want you to do, people, is be ready for that to have your loins girded. To, the men wore robes back then. That meant they took this robe and they tied it and brought it up in their little sash or their belt or whatever. <coughs> and It is referred to a lot in Scripture about uh, girding your loins. That means to bring it out where you can run. I don't know how you women run in a dress. I am not sure you do much especially a long one. But the men, when they would go to battle, they would take that gown and pull it up and bring it up and stuff it up in their, their sash and their belt so they would have freedom to move their legs, to run, to go, to make haste as he says. So he's telling them to do that. Have your shoes already on your feet all night long. Because I am fixing to do something that Pharaoh is going to tell you to get out. And when he tells you to get out, it is time to go. Okay, so that's what he's telling them to do. Be ready for this. This is my Passover. Verse 12, and he says, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. So this is what's taking place. And and the blood shall be to you a token upon the houses where you are. And man, what a precious statement he says here. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. People, do you understand the importance of the blood? There are certain translation, translations of different Bibles that want to take out the word blood because it is too gory. I've heard men tell me, I don't want to read the Old Testament. There is too much blood. There is too much. Gory. If you take the blood out of Scripture you might as well not have Scripture. It, there is life in the blood. He says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now that's the verse a lot of people have of sin to clarify it. No, there is no sin paid for without the shedding of blood. No man in Israel would be saved from this judgment without the blood. You and I cannot go to heaven. We cannot live eternity in heaven with Christ without the blood. Do you understand that this morning? There are many who try. Many want it that way. Many that work their way and think that I I heard a man tell me yesterday. He said, I I pray every night and I ask God to help me to be a good man. And I'm hoping one day at the end of my life and I stand before him, I was good enough for him to let me into heaven. That was so sad to me. All my righteousness are as filthy rags. The best man that ever walked, uh, other than Jesus Christ, the face of this earth is on his way to hell without the blood of Jesus Christ covering him. That's it. That's it, people. He didn't say, When you do good and you're nice to your neighbor, I'll pass over you. He didn't say, When you live a good moral life, I'll pass over you. He said, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. We all know what that's a picture of, right? Jesus is uh, uh, looking at this and in Revelation 12, it talks about that, that, that there will be terrible judgment that God will bring upon the earth. He brought judgment to Israel here. Well, during the end times of tribulation, God is once again going to cast out his wrath and bring judgment upon the earth. In Revelation 12, 10, it says, And I heard a loud voice. This is John speaking. And I heard a loud voice saying from heaven, Now is come salvation. Now is come salvation. Now listen to this. And strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down. Who's that? Who's the accuser of the brethren? come on now, that's Satan John is up in heaven, he's seeing a vision and, and he hears this loud voice, as many thunderings and he says now his salvation has come during this time of the tribulation at three and a half years at point of the tribulation, the Antichrist turns on Israel and be honest, we all hell breaks loose on earth, do you know why? because Satan is cast down Satan has full rule and reign of this earth. The Holy Spirit is gone out of the way. The Christians are gone, and Satan is ruling the earth at this time. This is what's going on. And it's just complete hell on earth. He says, For the accuser of the men is cast down, which caused them before, which accused them before our God day and night. But listen to verse 11. How are they going to overcome? There are some, we know there's at least 144,000. There's two witnesses that God will send back during the Tribulation. They'll be killed by the Antichrist. But because of their testimony, because of their preaching, at least 144,000 Jews will be saved. Many believe there'll be thousands more hundreds of thousands more because of their testimony. But it's just referring to the Jews when it says 144,000. Them will be saved during the tribulation. I don't think it will be people now. I don't believe it will be people that I'm getting off on a See, I, I don't think that you can sink. And, and there, uh, that, the Tim LaHaye that wrote uh, Left Behind, great book, good story, a lot of Biblical stuff. There is one thing I don't like about his book series. He makes it look way too easy that if I miss the boat now, if I am not called to Heaven with Christ in the Rapture, I will just get saved during the Tribulation. I don't think you will. I think that God gives you the opportunity now, and once the Holy Spirit is taken if you're not going to believe Him now, why the Holy Spirit is free to work, free to convince you, free to show you the truth. If you're not going to believe and accept Him now, you're certainly not going to do it during the tribulation because the Holy Spirit is drawn out of the way. And the Bible tells us that God will send them strong delusion that they believe a lie. I used to think, uh, how could people believe such a lie? How could they be so, and I know I'm, you've got to let me chase this rabbit for a minute. How could they believe such a lie? Well, in the last three to five years, I've seen it. You just look all over our nation. You look all over our world. People will believe anything. If it's said on Facebook, it, it's the truth, people. If CNN tells you it, it's the truth. And they're all lies. There's no more truth there, except for Fox News, Jack. I know Fox News is close. <laughs> I know Jack likes Fox News. But it's so easy now to see how people are so easily deceived and led astray from what is truth. And when the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way, see right now, the ones that keep, the one that restrains is the Holy Spirit. As he works and ministers now, he's the only thing that's keeping somewhat peace on earth. And he's going to be taken out of the way. And I think those who reject him now will have no chance to accept him later. These ones who are saved during the tribulation are the ones that never had the opportunity to reject him. I think that's what that is. There's some that will be born, that will be young people that never had the, the opportunity maybe someone that just never heard, never fully understood, but some will be saved during the tribulation. And it says they will in, in Revelation 12:11 and they will overcome him, that's Satan. they'll overcome the Antichrist, they'll overcome the false prophet by what? By the blood of the Lamb. It won't overcome by my endurance. It won't overcome by my knowledge of Scripture. It won't overcome if I spend 24-7 in the church. It won't overcome if I go down here and be baptized. It won't overcome by Grandma being a good Christian lady. It won't overcome by you filling the blanks. The only way you are going to overcome is by the blood of the Lamb. When I see the blood I will pass over you. They will only overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb that Jesus Christ that He is talking about. Those who have trusted Him and accepted Him as personal Savior, the only way they overcome is by Jesus Christ and His shed blood for them. But listen what is going to happen. And by the word of their testimony, and they, sh- and they love not their lives unto death. I believe it's 144,000 or 500,000, ever how many God knows how many will be saved during tribulation, but I believe all of them will have to give their life for what they believe. That didn't save them, but I believe we'll go back to the time where Christians are martyred daily and the world will rejoice over it. I believe these Christians will all have to, to, it's not like today, oh, I'm a Christian. I go to church once a month, or Easter, or Christmas. Oh, that's great. You say I'm a Christian during the tribulation, they're liable to cut your head off for what you believe. You'll see the truth then of who's Christian and who's not. Who will stand up? Who will overcome by the blood of the Lamb? So I know I, passed, I, I got off on a tangent, but I wanted you to understand that the importance of when I see the blood, the importance of the blood, the only way you are going to overcome, the only way true salvation comes to you and I is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to His mercy, He saved us. We come now, and it's not no longer a Passover. We don't call it a Passover anymore. Uh, to us, it is communion, or it is the Lord's Supper. Uh, well, what what happened? What changed it? Jesus says, he says uh, in verse 18, he says, I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine. Let me, let me back up just a little bit. A real, real important passage. Uh, when the hour was come, verse 14, and that hour is not Jesus' hour or whatever. It's the hour of Passover. Passover started in the evening time. So when that hour, that time of the evening had come and Passover was to start, was to begin, he sat down with his 12 and he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover. Now that's weird speaking, isn't it? They say in the Greek, if they really wanted to emphasize something, they said it twice. Jesus said, "With, with all that is within me, Everything that I have, any emotion, any desire, any want to of anything, any will that I have, this is the most important thing that I could ever do with you. I don't know how to to bring that out anymore. But this was so important to Jesus with, with desire, with great desire. I have desired to eat this Passover with you. Why was it so important to him? Why was this this so, why did he have such a desire for this one night to eat with his disciples and to eat the Passover with them? It was all about the shed blood and, and when, he, when, the, when God came and killed the firstborn and I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And, uh, Pharaoh tells them to get out and they're out of 400 years of bondage and from then on every year Israel would celebrate and remember that God had brought them out of bondage, out of Egypt. They would have this Passover meal and they would celebrate that. And Jesus says, with, with great desire, I've desired to have this meal with you. Why is that? Some of you that heard my eschatology teachings a year or so ago, a couple of years ago, you probably think, I know why. He begins a new covenant here. Look what he says in verse 16, For I say unto you, he says, With great desire, I have desired to have this Passover before I suffer, before I go to the cross. You know why, guys, he says? Because I'm not going to eat it anymore with you until all things are fulfilled in my Father's kingdom. So he's given uh, uh, an illustration. He's given a a fact about what's going on now. I desire to have this Passover that we look, uh, we're brought out of bondage, but he's also given a future reference too. There's something going to happen in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is referring to it here. I'm not going to eat anymore with you until then. He goes on down later and says, I'm not going to drink anymore with you until then. See what Jesus knew. And if you want to look in Matthew 26 and John 14, they record this as well. I like Luke's recording. Uh, John 13, he records the, he doesn't record so much these words, but the famous story where Jesus reached down and washes his disciples' feet. The King of kings and Lord of lords washed their feet. John records that. But Luke talks about how he, uh, the, the suffering and great desire, and I'm not going to eat it anymore. What is he referring to? See, it was a Passover to celebrate them being brought out of bondage. And when I see the blood, I'll pass it. And they, they would sacrifice a lamb. Uh, and, and there would be a, a time of cleansing. There's something about Passover I want you to understand Uh, It all is symbolic. It all points to Christ. The lamb that is sacrificed, the blood, that's the blood of Jesus Christ. John said, Behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. All of the Passover is symbolic. It all points to Christ. And Christ is excited here and saying, with great desire, I want you to understand now what the Passover really means. I am that Passover lamb. Uh, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 5 7, purge out therefore the old leaven. He's talking about the Passover and how it's unleavened bread, because leaven is a sign of sin that you may be a new lump. It said, purge out all that old sin and become a new lump of bread. Basically, what Paul's saying, uh, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our passover is sacrificed for us. Christ became our passover lamb. He shed his blood. So with the passover what they would do is first of all they'd come in there and there'd be a time of cleansing, a time where they would wash. And a lot of people as we do our communion we 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 take the little bread, the unleavened bread. Because uh, leaven is a sign of sin throughout the Scripture, so that's why it's that nasty tasting, tasteless bread. <laughs> it's unleavened bread, but it's it's not the taste of the bread, it's not the quality and and, and the quantity of it, but what it means—that it's Christ's body that was broken on the cross for our sins, and we drink one little cup of of grape juice. They had wine. Catholics have wine. Y'all are getting excited now and you want to become Catholic, right? <laughs> you see, they they would first, but, but with the Passover, it wasn't just one little piece of bread and one little cup of wine. They first would start out with this cleansing, and with that cleansing ritual, they would drink a cup. They would have a cup of wine. That was the first cup. And then they would eat This bread and dip it in bitter herbs. And they would eat this bread and this was to remind them of the bitterness of bondage of their slavery for 400 years in Egypt. The Passover is not just a few minutes like we have. The Passover meals that, that Israel observed would sometimes last for hours. As they would go through these things and they would remember, but they would first have a cup of cleansing. Then they'd eat the bitter herbs with bread. And then they would break out in singing. You know what they sang? I know what they sang. They sang Psalms 113 and 14. Did you know that? They sang God's word. It talks about how great is a God. I love that song. How great is our God. Help me, man. How great. Sing with me. How great is our God. It's not those exact words, but you can look it up. Psalms 13 through 113 through 118. is called the, the, uh, the halal, halal. It is the Jewish songs that they sing during Passover. So when they would eat the, have this first cup, eat the bitter herbs, then they would sing Psalms 113 and 114. Then they would have a second cup. And then the head of the household or the leader or, or whatever was there would come up and have an explanation of what this means. Why do we have a lamb? Why do we eat bitter herbs? Why do we have bread It all referred to them back to the Passover and how God had spared them when he saw the blood on their doorposts and the bitterness of slavery and bondage that they had for 400 years. And he would explain this and they'd have a second cup. And then they would eat the lamb that had been cooked. And they had to eat it all. They ate the lamb with unleavened bread. They would have their meal and in the third cup, they would drink a third cup. And then know what they did again? They sang some more. They sang Psalms 115 through 118. It's very interesting how they do the Passover. And then at the end of that, they would have a fourth cup. And that would be the conclusion of their Passover meal for them. You read it in in, uh, Exodus chapter 12. God gives very explicit instructions exactly how it to be done, how the lamb would be cooked, how it was to be eaten all, and how the the preparations and what they were to do. But this is what they did every year for over 400 years or, well, longer than that, probably about 1,200 years now. Until Christ come, and he says, with, with great desire. See, he's taking this Passover, and this is a, the Old Testament covenant. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Do you know how people were saved in the Old Testament? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, they did the sacrifices. Yes, they did the tabernacle and all of it, But it all pointed to Christ who would come. They looked to a Savior who would come, a Messiah who would come and believed in Him and were, and were saved. We look back to one who came, who died for my sins on the cross, and we are saved. So, in the Passover it was a new covenant that God made with Israel as they left Egypt and he brought, brought them to the promised land. Jesus is excited now because a new covenant will begin. A new testimony. God's making a new grim, No more sacrifices. No more high priests. No more uh, holy place and holy of holies and the veil. It's all going to be torn down and you come boldly to the throne of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. I am saved by the blood of the one who died for me. It's a new covenant that God has made with me. No more law. No more sacrifices. No more high priests. I come boldly to the throne of God. A new covenant he makes, and Jesus is excited about that. And he says, I, I'm, I'm going to uh, make a new covenant. My blood will be shed once and for all, and God will accept my atonement blood on your behalf. And he'll make a new covenant with you that if you'll trust me as your personal Savior, you have a life eternal with him. You know why Jesus is excited? And he says, I'm not going to drink or eat any more with you until the Father's kingdom has come. What is he referring to? I think he's referring to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Anybody ever heard of that? Revelation 19 tells us about it. John is seeing this again and he's telling it the best he knows how. He says, I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, and a voice of many waters, and a voice of a mighty thunderings, saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. What had happened just before that is that the Antichrist was defeated. That, that, that God is on his thrones, that Babylon has fallen, the whole thing on earth has fallen apart, and now John's in heaven around the throne of God, and there's many voices, and many waters, and all the rest, and they're singing, Hallelujah to God. If you don't like singing, you better get used to it. We're going to do it for eternity, people. And we're going to sing praises to our God who loved us and gave himself for us. But this is what John had said. He said, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come. And His wife hath made herself ready. Who is He talking about? The marriage of the Lamb, that's Jesus Christ. And His bride has made herself ready. That's me. That's you. We are the bride of Christ. Oh, it's, it's a beautiful picture that you, you see here. They made herself ready, uh, and to her was granted that she be arrayed in fine linen. I'll be washed whiter than snow. I'll be wearing all white that day. I can't wear it now. Just like a marriage ceremony, where a bride comes down in white, pure white. Symbolic of her purity. It's a symbolic of a marriage supper of the Lamb who will stand before Him dressed in fine linen, white as snow. Because my sins are washed away. They are gone forever. And I stand before the throne of God, pure in the blood of Jesus Christ. That ought to get you, That if I don't light your fire, your wood's wet, people. <laughs> We stand before Him in fine linen, as the Bride of Christ, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of our saints. And He said unto me, "Blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb." And He said unto me, "These are true saints of God." See, Jesus was excited with great desire. And I don't have time to go into all the little details. I've done it before. It is so interesting to me throughout Scripture. If you look at a Jewish wedding, how how the father would send a servant, or the father would send a son, and he'd pick out a bride, and he'd make an agreement with that bride, and and a bride uh, price was paid as a down payment that I'm going to come back after the betrothal period, and we are going to be married. You will be my wife. I'll be your husband. That's what Jesus is saying here. The Father has sent me to get my bride. And he's made a covenant with you. He says, "Ooh, I'm coming back, people. I'm coming for you. I'm going to my Father's house to prepare a place for you. You know, that's what they did back then. The, the, the husband would pick out his bride and, and she would agree and they'd have this ceremony and they'd have a cup of wine and they both had to drink it all. It's very important. Matthew records, Jesus says, don't just drink a little of this cup, drink it all. Just like in this marriage ceremony you had to drink it all. What does that mean? That means as husband, as your husband, as my wife, We drink it all because we are 100% committed to this relationship. We're 100% committed. And Jesus says, drink me all. Be 100% committed or don't commit. So they'd have this ceremony. Jesus is turning the Passover into a covenant ceremony. He's asking for a bride to marry him, to follow him, to trust him because one day in my father's house there's going to be a grand ceremony of the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be his bride. And all those who have accepted him as personal Savior will be there. We will be his bride. We will live with him in eternity. For Jesus is excited to pick out his bride and to call his bride. And when he left, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm coming back for you. You can bank on it. In the old, in the old customs of Jewish weddings, after the man would pick out his bride, he'd go back to his father's house and start building a room on his father's house preparing a place for his bride to come. And then usually after about a year the betrothal period, he would call for his bride to come. The room is ready. But he couldn't do that until the father went and inspected the new renovation. Yep, son, you've done a good job. You've prepared a good place for your bride. Go get your bride. One day Jesus is going. To, God's going to say the Father's going to say the Son, "Go get your tr- bride, baby. Go get your children. Bring them home." In the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm excited. Jesus was excited. Are you excited? That's the all this that we have today. All this heartache and hurt will all be gone and we'll live eternity with him, the one who loved us and gave himself for me. I'm getting way carried away. I've got to close. But Jesus turned this Passover meal into a new covenant, a new agreement between the bride of Christ and himself. Come unto me, all you laboring, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For your soul. We talked about that last week. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Well, Jesus closes his Passover meal and he says, Do this in remembrance of me. You reckon that bride that was picked out and the little Jewish bride that was picked out? You reckon a day of that year went by she didn't think about her future husband. He'd send her gifts occasionally. They weren't really with each other, but he'd have a servant take a gift. She thought about him every day for 365 days. I hope he's going to call me today. I hope he's coming today for me. I hope my Savior's coming today for me. But until then, I'm going to remember his body that was broken, his blood that was shed, the canoe covenant and testament of the blood of Jesus Christ, that he promised me he, he first he died for me, I've accepted my Savior, and he promised me he's coming back to get me. That's what communion's about people. The remembrance of what God did and what He's gonna do in the future. Father, I pray that you would take these scrambled up words and things that I've said and just make them real, Father. I pray the Holy Spirit would convict and 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 teach and give understanding to all that sit here today that we know the truth of Your Word and how much You love us and gave Yourself for us. That there is nothing we can do to become Your bride without the blood blood of Christ. We thank You and praise You for that. We thank You that we will remember that as we take the bread and drink the, the grape juice to remember the blood, the body that was broken and the blood that was shed. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to always look back to the cross of the price that was paid for my sin, but look forward to the future, to one day when I stand before your throne in pure white because of the blood of my Savior. We thank you and praise you for that today. Be with us in these next few minutes of our service as we have remembrance of what Christ has done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Page 183 as we stand.